Hello, friends. Uncle Mark here with another episode of the IT Business Podcast, the show for IT professionals. If you're supporting business in any sort of way and you work in IT, this is the show for you. So we talk about a lot of things, share stories, products, and tips, all to help you do your jobs better, smarter, and faster. This is one of our weekly audio shows. And you know I try to bring you interesting guests and new topics that we either love or we need to know about. And this is one that I think we need to know about as IT professionals. I know most of the ones that I work with in their MSP businesses or, you know, solo techs, we try to avoid the area of IoT. And in our world, it usually ends up as a BYOD, bring your own device, and they kind of bleed over into our networks. Well, I've got a gentleman here who's going to help us with that because IoT is not going away. In fact, it is probably much bigger than any of us think. I've got with me Michael Skirla, Chief Product Officer at Radix IoT. Michael, how are you? I'm great. Thanks for having me. <laughs> I appreciate being here. Well, I'm glad that we hooked up. Uh, we met, uh, I don't know, a couple of months ago, and this topic of IoT, I was kind of like, ah, I don't know. It just, <laughs> it's, it's it's really not for some of us, but it, it's it's everywhere. Well, and what you said is true. Uh, it isn't going away uh, at all. Uh, in fact, it's uh, proliferating everywhere. Uh, there was a statistic that was pulled out from uh, an organization that I'm involved in called IOTSF, which we can talk about a little bit later, that for every person, there's four devices in a building. Um, and those are network devices. Now, they, they may be on your network or not on your network, but one way, shape, or form, um, there are digital devices that could be considered a security risk or a business help, depending on how you look at them. Mm. Um, it's It came out of nowhere. Uh, and it's funny because the phrase got tossed around uh, kind of poorly uh, as a marketing phrase for a while. I would say that it, it was born out of the automation business and Internet of Things then took off because it was an affordable and reliable way of interconnecting things through an IT network instead of weird proprietary other ways of connecting things that existed in the past in the automation industry. So it's it's been a an interesting ride, um, and I, I'm, I'm obviously we still have a long, long way to go uh, to determine what this what type of outcome that this is going to bring, and it's going to be different for every different vertical. Right now, you mentioned the automation industry, and for us in the tech world, we've kind of you know put a shield up where you know if it's not something we understand, it's not going on our network. And we kind of allowed phones to kind of sneak in now, uh, different types of printers, you know, beyond your desktop laser jet printers. Uh, I've got a company where we're doing their, their plotters, their large format printing. They're actually bringing in a, I don't even know what it's called. I forget the name of it, but it's, it's machines where they're going to keep equipment so that when employees need stuff like, you know, paintbrushes and things like that, instead of them having to manage inventory, they're going to have them check it out through a machine and keep track of that. And they sent me this network information sheet because it's got to be on the network. 
Yeah. <laughs> and so, so there's a lot of things happening. And, you know, so the automation industry, you should probably ask and clarify that first because I don't see that as one industry. I see that as automation as a part of a whole different bunch of industries. It's a ton. And this is where IoT really can get um, confusing. Uh, most people, when you say IoT, they think it's something small, like a sensor that they maybe bought on eBay or, or Amazon and put in, and now you have to deal with it in your network. Um, that's not necessarily, that, that's of course a portion of it, but it's not necessarily the entire thing. Um, you, We've had things in our buildings, let's just talk about buildings for a minute, that have been collecting data about our environment for close to four decades. Uh, thermostats, um, HVAC equipment, plumbing equipment, all of this is network equipment that honestly has been doing jobs using software for quite a long time, late 80s, I would say, sometimes before that. The problem was it was all locked up within itself. Uh, so an air conditioning company would use proprietary tools to connect and deal with their air conditioner. Um, and then the technicians would have secret tools, as in uh, special devices or software, that they could exploit and change the system so they could have a revenue stream and also repair the equipment easier. That's changed. Uh, now, And you, you mentioned one thing that was really important. You let phones on your network. By the way, the cat's out of the bag at that point. <laughs> yes. um, it's it's there. And printers, printers are the mer most promiscuous device on a business network um, because they want to connect to everything, yep. right? Oh, yeah. Um, so they're also one of the largest offenders of security because you've got all these protocols running and all of these capabilities to connect to something that are, it's quite frightening. Well, back to what I was saying about the buildings, though, you've got all these systems and these systems now, uh, it, it's unsustainable to say, well, we're going to have one software package for HVAC and another one for this and another one for Wi-Fi and another one for plumbing. Um, and then we have the business network. Um, and then up until recently, we were doing things like, well, the building and those other systems, if they're Ethernet, we're going to put them on a separate segregated network. It's a very common process. Um all of that has flaws because you actually want to pull these things together. You want to be able to centrally control them and you want them under the purview of IT. Why? The, all of these things that I just mentioned about the building, a facility manager is fantastic at fixing air conditioners and plumbing problems. What they're not is a security expert on IT. Yet all of this equipment is IT-based equipment now. Everything inside a building goes on a network of some type or form. And it's almost naive to say that you can keep it off the IT network. Uh, in fact, it's probably more dangerous because then you're dealing with underground other networks that, as you know, it only takes a patch cable and two networks blend together. Right. So that's when I talk about IoT, it isn't just about devices. It's about systems and most likely things that you already have, just making them talk system to system and together so you can get more of an outcome from it, more of a purpose. Uh, I can give you an example that I've, um, this is in the building space and I do a lot in buildings, obviously, but I worked with 
a uh, fast food uh, chain um, quite a few years ago. And this is when it was just starting. And in their buildings, each one had uh, uh, a system for heating and air conditioning, one for security, um, one for uh, uh, lighting, and then another one for um, uh, fire services. So four different systems. Each one was separate. Um, and they realized that they had about a hundred locations. Four of them had air conditioning loads that were running about four times the other facilities. Now they're all in the same geographic region. Uh, they're all on the same utility. They all are about the same size and format. So this was really a challenge and they couldn't figure out what was wrong because everything seemed to work. Well, this is where if they would have actually had it connected to the security side, they would have been able to determine this immediately. But they didn't because the security system was siloed from the HVAC and the energy and the lighting and all of this. Um, the back door was being propped open in those four stores because the manager smoked. Yeah. Now, what was it doing since it was in New Mexico? Well, the thermostat was right there. It was running almost 100% of the time trying to keep it cool it would fail, but that's where the air conditioning load went, meaning your security system was able to have an impact on your energy spend, which isn't intuitive at first, but what I just said, it makes complete common sense. Yeah. This is the point of pulling things together through IoT, using it for purposes beyond just what it's made for. And they may be for things that you haven't even invented yet. Well, what you said makes perfect sense because I'm going through that with yet another client that we just uh, – we haven't taken over 100% yet, but we're close. That We've got a contract ready to be signed, but they are a company that they on their own with the you know wonderful world of Amazon went out and purchased their own cameras, their own thermostats, uh, and they're running a bunch of other stuff on the Wi-Fi network. And when I first met this company, they kept – they kept trying to figure out how are we running out of IP addresses? And they had about 70 people in the building. And as you mentioned, each of those people, I, I always use three devices that everybody has between a computer, a laptop, their phone, and their personal mobile device uh, because they've got IP-based phones yeah. as well. And I said, well, you've got too many, too many things on this network. You've got a VLAN or something. And, um, it's, you're right. All of that stuff, you know, and in my world, we would just, we would, I mean, it would be on the network, but we'd VLAN it. We'd VLAN it to a guest Wi-Fi and never see it ever again. But you're saying is we probably should be, you know, tying that to our network somehow to monitor it and, and, and help our clients. That's my thesis. And I, I will say that that, that thesis, um, when I first got involved I started out in lighting controls. Okay. Um, my background was in lighting. Um, we're talking 24 years ago. Um, and lighting controls obviously moved into digital controls. And then uh, in the end, network controls on Ethernet lines. And the rule of thumb was always segregate it off. Put it on. If you can, don't even use VLAN. Well, that was actually even before VLAN was <laughs> Yeah. Put another switch in, you know, it's a, it's a private other network. And then you'd, you'd see the business network with one switch. And then there's other, generally a generic switch from some off brand right below it. 
you're like, wow, one patch cable changes everything. Um, but VLANs are a logical way to do it. Um, but the there is an importance of being able to say that data could have a business application. Uh, and I, I used that phrase automation before, right? Uh, the automation business. Factories and factory automation is a huge deal for IoT as well. Um, the way things are manufactured. Uh, I was working with a um, pharmaceutical company and it was all about pill packaging, um, but they happen to have uh, factories in six different places around the world. And they needed all, they had unbelievable amount of sensors on these lines, but they were using all of that data for supply chain logistics. When things were starting to run out, being able to ship things at different times. So what was happening there, though, is you had what would be considered the OT, the operational technology, having to feed into the IT network data so the business could order things on the accounting system. So it, it can't be a solid line. There are there's always a risk there, right? But you have to figure out, and that's why my thesis is to say it really should all be on that business network because then the professionals in the IT space actually control the security aspect of it. Right. Now you said you've been doing this quite a while. I think when I was looking up some stuff, so you've 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 been at this for a couple of decades, right? Yeah, um, I have a sordid past before the <laughs> IT uh, world, right? Uh, yes, um, I was. Uh, started off in lighting uh, quite heavily, um, and lighting morphed just like the rest of the building technologies. So, uh, wound up in the HVAC space, um, also dealing with uh, an area that a, a lot of people are going to encounter and they don't even know it yet. Something called indoor location services, just like outdoor GPS. Oh, indoor. I just had a conversation about that with a client. We'll carry on yep. and we'll get back, see if we get topic. back to that. Um, <laughs> but again, it's using devices for purposes that they weren't originally there for. Um, and so uh, I um, progressed on and, and got into the building space and always had a fascination. My background is actually computer science, um, but I have loved the electrics world quite a bit and wound up uh, finding that the two worlds collided somewhere along the line i would say around 2005 all of this started coming together in a way that was much different than even i ever expected yeah yeah so the company that you're with uh, radix iot uh, was actually named something else before that that yeah. that i thought oh that was a cool name uh bitbox bitbox correct uh bitbox usa um we were dealing with uh large customers um, and dealing with data in buildings and facilities that were distributed all over and pulling that in. Uh, we, in 2000, merged, uh, purchased a company named Infinite Automation, uh, which was a software company that had their own software to do a similar task, but in a much different way. Uh, and then we took the technology from Bitbox and took it from Radix IoT, pulled it to, uh, sorry, uh, from Infinite Automation and created Radix IoT with the best of both worlds. And we have a product named Mango, um, which is an, a software that is made to take in data from all of these different systems, whether they be 
uh, IoT direct devices or subsystems like air conditioning and heating and things like that, pull it all together, organize it, and that is the area that is the most complicated thing. How you can tell something, great example, a thermostat is a thermostat when you have perhaps a thousand of them and they're all from different brands. Mm. Um, and then being able to visualize that information and allow customers to set up alarming and reporting. We enable remote management for dis disjointed facilities. Uh, we do a lot in the telecommunication space. Uh, we're heavy into solar uh, as well as the energy sector. Uh, commercial buildings, so office uh, complexes and um, uh, high-rises and different uh, outlot locations, and then telecommunications uh, systems. So any area where you would have a struggle getting a human uh, to sit there and watch the system constantly, that's sort of where we can take over and allow that remote access and management to occur. Yeah. So when I looked up Mango, I thought, ooh, this looks pretty cool. Of course, it's got what those of us in the IT world love to hear, remote management, which, of course, I'm thinking, is that true remote management? And could it be used for desktops and servers and stuff? <laughs> that was my first thought. It's not. Uh, okay. So that is um, that is not the world we're in for remote management. We are we are into that hard infrastructure, okay. that physical um the building around you, but it plays an important role if you're going to merge those systems together, like I discussed. Well, let me ask you this, because I know, you, you know we mentioned thermostats earlier. I've got a customer where we're doing uh, their cameras, their door access systems, all of which used to be completely separate, but now they're going to be on the IT network. So I'm managing the gateway for that. Um, there's a couple of other things that want to get in there, but what types of things would we also be seeing that we could actually have in that that dashboard? Because this is uh, Mango is a web based portal, right? Yep. Um, and then you've got to obviously connect it to the network. So, I mean, what is the 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 scope and range of what it can manage? So let's go down to the protocol level, actually. Um, it is anything that's speaking an industrial protocol. So IT, you know, the, obviously Microsoft um, does a phenomenal job and Cisco does a phenomenal job on the infrastructure side of the, uh, of, of the world. Um, but when you deal with the buildings, it's a different set of protocols and it's a different set of equipment. You've got things like Modbus, BACnet, um, Lawnworks sometimes, and then... SNMP is playing a role not only in things like switches, but it's starting to crop up as well in building equipment. And we take all of those different protocols and devices and equipment and feed them in and then store that information long term and are able to manage it from there. Um, the area that we really excel in, though, um, and, and that's overlooked, because, by the way, a lot of people pull in data. There's a lot of systems. Building management systems can do that. Where we sort of resolve that and where our prime market is, is when you have lots of locations. Um, that gets very complicated very quickly because when you're dealing with lots of different places that have no human being to intervene um, and the building systems are generally keeping the IT equipment alive, 
That's why we're in data centers quite often. Um, you need to be able to have this information um, heavily. It has to be reliable. Um, and it has to be redundant. And that's the area where we go back to. So we do like to say that we are involved in the critical infrastructure side of a facility, whatever that facility may be. Okay. Have Have you heard of a product called Domotes? I didn't prep you for this, so. <laughs> no, I have. Okay. Because uh, um, that's been something that we've been utilizing uh, that <clears throat> came across to our industry. I don't know. It's probably been in for a while, but I guess the last three or four years. Uh, I've got that deployed at all of my sites now. And, you know, they're touting that as a way for us to tap into some of these other things that would, you know, monitor, you know, sensors of anything that could be IP based with cooling systems, for instance, yep. and stuff like that. So is that similar or is are we still talking, you know, two different sides of the road here? It can certainly do well uh, within facilities. Um, and I, by the way, I, I don't know that much. I haven't gone into it heavily, but I have, I've heard of it and I've looked at it before and it seemed much more on the network side to right. uh, really solve the problem. We're not on the network side. Okay. Um, we are on the physical device side. So the idea that uh, Domos, from what I remember, if you wanted to say interrogate a thermostat, a Modbus thermostat to figure out what registers it has and then start pulling information from that thermostat, it's really not a tool made to do that. It can do it, but it's not a tool made to do that in mass. Um, we are in a different realm where that's sort of our core competency, okay. it's not just thermostats, but it's those protocols. In fact, we own something called BACnet for J and Modbus for J. Both of those are the primary protocols used in buildings um, in North America and generally around the world. Um, and these are open source libraries that are used by thousands of other manufacturers um, that speak those languages. Uh, and we have those freely available for people to download uh, and use. So we're, we're somewhat experts on those protocols. Okay. Um, and but when you're looking at a lot of that, uh, we're into the analytics side of that as well. Um, the idea that we're getting the data is one thing, but being able to have a historian to tie all of that data together and then analyze it to allow for things like predictive analytics or prescriptive analytics is where our system allows a user within one location to do all of that Um on a regular basis and change it on their own. Something else that is not super common within the building industry. Uh, usually you're hiring very expensive people to come in and program things to change your building management system. We're quite different on that in that we have all the tools in there that someone can do it code free. Okay. So as you can imagine, like a lot of IT professionals, you know, getting educated in this world is is one of the reasons I wanted to get you on the show and to to ask these questions and have you you know help me understand because yeah it's a different world and you know I can understand the connection with you know surveillance and printers and HVACs uh, but you guys are in you know generators and alternative energy I mean we're in to, it, it, that's the thing you're always learning new markets. Um, you're always because it's it can be used anything. Recently, we had a 
someone reached out to us and we didn't exactly know what they're doing. And we realized our software was being used to monitor uh, volcanoes in New Zealand. Really? Um, yeah. It was like, wow, that's cool. It was university. Um, and because you can download our software for free and use it up to a certain point count. Uh, and it was like, wow, that's no clue. Good for you. Um, <laughs> seismic activity. But the education thing is important. Um, and I do a lot of speaking for ASHRAE, which is the um, uh, more on the HVAC side uh, of the world. Um, and there's a gap. Um, there's a gap of education right now. We have IT professionals who generally are not versed on the facility world. Um, and then we have facility people, and that includes quite often uh, engineers, architects, uh, and um, people sometimes occupying the building that are not IT professionals. Right. There's a gap, and, and, and it's a fairly serious gap between knowledge of those two worlds. Uh, the expectations of what a facility manager needs are not understood by the IT world uh, and the other way around. Um, and I, I will openly say that the industry, particularly the facility industry, has been very slow to adapt to evolving security needs. So they, when they first got on the Ethernet, uh, on the Ethernet line, you could say, and they made some devices on the Ethernet, they were like, whoop, done. Hey, we're connected. We're good. Don't need anything from there. And you could almost see a few years after where they started going, oh, oh God, um, we also have to be a software company now because that's not a one and done thing. It's a long term cycle when you have things on there. Um, what are you going to do? You need to constantly be sending updates, allowing for updates for security and making sure that that device can stay online. And keep in mind, facilities, it's not like computers. Those systems, a building management system, is expected to be in that building for 15 to 20 years. You're not doing a change out of computers, um, you know, a building management system. The ROI on it is very expensive to do. So there, there is this knowledge gap. Um, ASHRAE is trying to address this some within the industry of um, HVAC by bringing security and especially IT-based classes into their curriculum. Um, the other way around, I haven't seen much. Um, I've seen a lot of people in the IT space getting thrown in by fire, um, saying, this is what the world, uh, uh, what our facility needs, and now we need to make it work. Let's figure it out. Um, but I'll tell you, when we've done it and we've worked with um, the IT people they pick it up exceptionally quick, and then we've been able to use – those people have become experts, not only in that industry. And I've seen several people move from the IT space to some of these companies that are working in uh, as uh, master service providers or um, uh, integrators within the HVAC world because they need more um, – the building world needs more computer professionals in general. So I was going to ask you if there was a chasm between the industries and which side it was coming from because you made it sound like the industrial side was kind of like, yeah, we're good. That's all we need to do. I saw it as the IT world saying, get that crap out of here. 
No. Oh yeah. So, so I was. So it. So it oh. is from both sides. It's from both sides. It's from both sides, and they there has to be a happy medium there. I do. I do think that there is becoming more of an acceptance when you've looked at some of the big problems that have occurred. Let's use the Target breach of 2013 as a fantastic example. Do you remember that? Yeah, I do. Yeah. Um, you know, it was and Target handled that phenomenally well. Um, but what happened there? It was actually a credential. Um, that was fished out of, I believe it was the HVAC H- yeah. contractor. Yep. Uh huh. Um, and so, and that was phishing, basic phishing. You know, they, they simply emailed them saying they needed some information. And um, so it wasn't even a technical hack. It was um, a, a phishing, um, uh, spear phishing. But when you look at how that, um, that occurred and the, the areas for vulnerability, IT people looked at that and said, and Target did especially, saying, you know what, all of this needs to be under the scope of a managed IT plan. That's one thing that IT has been exceptional at, is standards and process. Um, and that's something that, um, honestly, the industry should be really proud of, um, because the, the standards and process that exist, you go into some of these other industries and, and they don't. Everything's proprietary. Um, the worlds are still proprietary within buildings for the most part. Um, in fact, devices connecting in buildings a lot of times are on proprietary lines. And then there's a bridge that goes from whatever proprietary stuff's happening over to the Ethernet side of that bridge. That's where the risk comes into play. Um, because that's not built by an IT company. That's not a Cisco device. That's not a ubiquity device. That's a, you know, XYZ lighting company making a device that's on the Ethernet line. Um, and that's where you you have to look and say, who do you want updating and knowing that device is there? In, in my opinion, it's the IT professional. And that seems to be where we're going down yeah. this track. Well, um, well, that's why I asked you about Domots and not because it's the answer for us, but that was my first way into looking at if anything gets plugged into the network, I want to know about it. And stuff gets plugged in all the time in offices and stores, you know, and people just assume, hey, I'll just plug it in the network. You know, outside vendors coming in, I'll just plug it in and, you know, I'll map a static IP address and get out of there. And my frustration always was when something happens, the customers look at what your IT, shouldn't you have known? Yeah. And it's like, well, you didn't want me to talk to these people, but yet it's touching the network. So uh, I, I get it where you're saying we've, uh, you know, we've got to find a way to work together. And, you know, of course I was always going to ask you about the role of IT professionals in all of this. And, you know, are we, are we in a very accepting mood when it comes to working together? It, it depends on the phase of the project. Okay. Let me put it that way. <laughs> okay. Uh, I would love to see, and this is a pie in the sky. I, I used to do a lot of new construction work. Um, and uh, I don't know if um, in the U S the construction industry, just like trades is very fractured. Um, you have people you know, engineers designing the building, you have architects involved, you have elect- 
you know, electrical engineers, mechanical engineers, everything, all working under these separate things. And um, what's often overlooked um, is the poor soul that occupies it in the end, that's going to use all this stuff. Uh, and that's a real challenge because that is not just the people in the building, but the IT infrastructure that's going to have to use that building. Um, and I'm talking about everything from not only the devices that are there, but um, the way it's designed and the way that the in- things should be intended to network together. It's not they're not brought into the picture. Uh, typically, well, um, that's the, that's always stuff thought of after the fact, right? Where the, the building gets done, and then you know somebody's like, "Oh, this has to connect to IT," or IT shows up late, and we're like, "Well, there's no cables here. How is this going?" <laughs> you know? There's no cable. There's no rack. There's not even enough power to pl- to put in a rack. Um, yeah, uh, and those are afterthoughts. And but you look at who's responsible in the average construction project for that. And there's a gap. Um, you, you could say, well, maybe it's the electrical engineer that should have caught it, but not, not really. It's not really their job. Um, and so there's a missing, there's a missing player. Uh, and this seems to be getting addressed in other parts of the world, by the way, by something called a master system integrator. Um, I've seen these pop up in Australia in particular where they're looking to these professionals, particularly in things like high-rise buildings, to say, we know we're going to have lots of tenants, we've got lots of floors, and we don't actually know what the tenants are going to be yet. And it could change. You know, the lease could expire in two years, but we know that we need the building to be able to support operations of a high-tech style system for the next 40 to 50 years we want you to design this in a way that it can be used by multiple tenants and everything can be integrated together safely. So you think of it as a core and shell IT frame for a building. And then those people after the fact, after the tenant signs a lease comes in and says, okay, I'm now responsible for these six floors because this is my company moving in. But at least I know I have the infrastructure to make this building work. I, Australia seems to be um, where I've seen that cropping up. I'm sure it is coming up elsewhere as well. Um, I think the phrase in the U.S. is used more within the automation industry at the moment. And I have not seen a lot of firms um, at least cropping up doing that. They may exist, um, but they're certainly niche if they are. Hmm. So you've already addressed one of my questions that uh, a lot of IT professionals are actually moving over into the automation world, specifically HVAC and stuff. Uh, and you've talked about your thesis is you know, you know, shortening or you know, reducing this gap that is out there. Uh, what are some of the ways that we can kind of look more towards, you know, getting information and getting involved and learning about, you know, this IOT world? There's a couple of ways. Um, One, I I said before we started, uh, I'm involved with this organization called IOTSF. Um, It's the IOT Security Foundation. It's a nonprofit um, based in the UK. They're one of the only organizations that has started putting out IT-based standards around IOT equipment 
Um, and it isn't <clears throat> technical standards. A lot of times it is um, process because uh, IoT is uh, one of the, someone said it, it's like, you're not putting this back in the bag, right? The cats, um, uh, the cats are out of the bag. They've already had lots of kittens and now they're running everywhere. Uh, it's, it's going to continue to grow. And the best thing that you can learn about is actually the security foundation to allow for this to happen um, in the safest possible manner. And they give a significant amount of information on how that can be done. And this is not just about buildings, by the way. This they They're actually an organization that they're now getting involved in the building world because they realized they, they focused on the IT side and how to deal with IoT devices that are cropping up on the network everywhere. Um, now they're looking at buildings saying, oh, wait, there's more to this. Um, and so they're trying to set up processes and standards around how do we get the facilities to be involved when uh, at the beginning of construction projects or when a retrofit is occurring and how do you think about it? They're one of the best resources that I've found. Um, and that's why I'm involved with them because I, I really believe in what they're doing. Um, the other one is uh, look up ASHRAE um, in Georgia. Um, they have been involving themselves quite heavily or more often within the IT space. Um, they offer exceptional training programs um, within HVAC, some that are very deep in topics that are uh, just, I mean, they're involved in refrigeration and, and, and everything, but they also have common core standards about the protocols used. BACnet is one of the main ones, and they control that standard. Um, the other thing is just experience. Um, uh, I think that everyone's going to start having to get involved in this more and more. I do want to say one thing. Residential and commercial are very different. Um, very, very different. Uh, the, the residential world, when we think of IOT stuff and devices, we're, we're commonly thinking of, um, you know, things like Amazon Alexa or even sidewalk labs, uh, um, which turn into all these other littler things. Um, commercial IOT is, um, a fairly complicated world and it involves cloud infrastructure more than people I think anticipated. Um, so in the end, getting involved in some of the projects like um, uh, the, the Microsoft is actually working on various uh, blueprints for small um, IOT frameworks as well. I, I know uh, Google pulled out of, of um, the IOT core project. They did. Um, from what I, I seen, uh, it I thought was, that that was, I thought they were like the big player in that, weren't they? Yeah, they, uh, they sent out a notice. Um, I want to make sure I'm right on this. Um, uh, they pulled out of some of the different um, IOT space. Um, and this was a few months ago, actually. Um yeah, oh yeah, here uh, Google Cloud IO2 Core has been retired. Yep. That was a big surprise. Wow. A huge surprise. Uh but AWS is still involved in it, Microsoft is still involved in it. Um Microsoft seems to be doing quite a bit, though it seems like their focus right now is 
putting um, a lot of effort into AI, um, they still have a pretty solid course for their IoT program. Um, and Amazon has a tremendous amount of docs um, on it as well, documentation. Um, I find AWS, it's it's so mammoth, um, everything that it can do. Um, but really, I, I would say anyone looking to get involved in it, that IOTSF, it's the most approachable material that's out there All right, to get going. I, I'm going to put a link to all of this. I can find I've already got the site for I, IOTSF and boom, right in front of you. They've got their, uh, what is it, the ninth annual world conference coming up here. That's where I'm flying to Saturday. Uh, so it's a, it's great. It's a great organization. Um, and I, uh, but yeah, have a look at all of those. Um, definitely worth the time. Um, the last thing I wanted to say is you can download a lot of these frameworks also for free and use them, including ours uh, and other people's as well. And it's the best way to learn how they work and how they operate. Um, I have, I have a garden outside when it's not freezing, um, that I have a soil moisture sensor and I have a, uh, weather sensor and a rain sensor. So it automatically waters the garden, but it's all using a little IOT framework, our IOT framework to do it. Kind of experiment that I built myself, you know, and that's how I originally learned some of these, uh, the, the different softwares. And I tried a couple other frameworks as well. All right. You mentioned the garden. So last year I broke down and allowed, uh, my sprinkler guy to put in a wireless connected sprinkler controller. He wanted to do a whole bunch of other stuff, but I'm like, no, 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 because I don't, I don't bring tech into my home. So we, we allow for that. So it's interesting that you, you mentioned that with the, the moisture sensor, because the wife is, she really wants me to find something to monitor our, our, our ground because we never seem to water enough. Mm-hmm. And if we do, we water too much. So we need something to kind of balance that out. I've been doing it for four years. And uh, I know this isn't about gardening, but I bought a $5 soil sensor on eBay from China. And uh, it speaks Modbus. And I connect it because I would have the problem where I did have a timer uh, and it watered it for 12 minutes every day. Apparently that was overwatering the tomatoes and they burst. Mm. Um, And so every year I've lowered it by one minute. And I think I found this year nine minutes on that little garden is enough per day. But my thing is when it rains, that's when everything gets screwed up. Right. Because I still water it when it rains. And that's what I was trying to address with that. Oh, my. Uh, I did want to go back and mention for listeners uh, your uh, mango product. Uh, It says on the site that there is a basic single site license that you can get for free. And it yep. is free forever up to 100 data points. Yep. So that sounds like a pretty good place to start if we want to get started with this. And the pricing, I mean, we'll get into this more because you're going to be back. I should let everybody know that Michael is going to be back for a live show uh, on November 29th. That'll be and good. We'll uh, obviously get people some notice and get some questions. And I think this is going to be a pretty good conversation. But – yeah, place to get started. Maybe I'll uh, get a get one of those soil sensors myself and do that. I'd give you the brand, but I don't even know what the brand is. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness gracious. Well, Michael, thank you for uh, hanging out with me and getting us a, a starter level on the uh, world of IoT. We Again, we talk about it, but we really don't know. 
as an IT I, professional? I'm excited about questions uh, and excited for the end of the month. All right. So Michael Skirla, uh, Chief Product Officer at Radix IoT, and he'll be back with us again, as I mentioned, November 29th. Uh, Michael, great to hang out. Thanks again. All right. We'll talk soon. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening and uh, come back soon, not just for that show on the 29th, but for every show that we have. We have live shows every Wednesday at 8 p.m. Eastern, and we have a ton of audio shows, and we've got some special ones coming up. Black Friday preview shows, and you'd heard that correctly. There was an S at the end. We are doing multiple shows for this year Black Friday special. Uh, that's going to do it for this episode, folks. We'll see you soon, and until then, holla.